Good morning, everybody. Welcome here this morning. My name is Kevin. I'm the Attridge site pastor here, and it is Pentecost Sunday today. We are in the middle of a series called 50 Days. 50 days is, are the, the amount of days between the resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrated here at Easter, until Pentecost Sunday, where the Holy Spirit comes. After 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven. And then it took 10 days for the disciples to recover before they were hit again by the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. The disciples had to put up with quite a bit in three years of walking with Jesus. They had to deal with all sorts of miracles and try to figure out who this guy actually was. And uh, in the end, he, he goes and they're kind of left and going, okay, so now what? And the disciples are waiting. Jesus had said, wait in Jerusalem, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what does that mean? When you don't really have the the context that we have now, they, they weren't really sure what was coming. Wait in Jerusalem, the power of the Holy Spirit is coming. They had met, they had walked with Jesus, they had seen miracles, they'd seen demons cast out, they'd seen all this stuff, they'd seen him die, like totally dead, buried. They'd been to the funeral. And then they had seen him not be dead anymore. He rose. And they're trying to process all of that. And then, while they're all together, this happens. Pentecost. So I'm going to read uh, Acts chapter 2 to you. And I'd like you, it'll take a little bit. It's a longer passage, so get comfortable. I'd like you to put yourself in that place. In your own mind, just, okay, where are you in this story? You can follow along on the screen, or you can just close your eyes. What do you see? What do you hear? Where are you? Who's there? What do they look like? What happens? Uh, In the midst of this, you're going to hear a sermon. So today you're getting a sermon within a sermon uh, from Peter. And uh, you're going to, what do you hear? What's important? What stands out? What would people back then have heard? What are you hearing? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you as we read God's word this morning? So, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language, in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, by Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? Some of them, however, made fun of them and said they've just had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hands, it keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the, of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father 
the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, even in Saskatoon today. That's, that's an addition. Uh, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. And he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well, that would have been something to see and to hear. In this passage, we have a supernatural revelation of God symbolized by wind and fire. The disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and are enabled to speak in foreign languages. Simple fishermen now speaking to many people of all different nations. Peter points out that this is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, that the Spirit will now be given to everyone. And Peter connects this with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus and traces it back to the lineage of King David as proof that Jesus was the Messiah. Messiah simply means anointed one, or Christ. The people who recognized that they had killed the anointed Savior, want to know what to do. And Peter tells them, repent and be baptized, and they will receive the Holy Spirit. So much like the disciples, now everyone who's present has a whole lot that they have to process. Repentance and baptism would forgive their sins. That was new. There's no need for a sacrifice. So this, this Jesus was actually the final sacrifice? That would take some processing for them. It takes some processing to, to think through that they were able to be in a right relationship with the God who had saved them from slavery and would free them from captivity that they were in. They, they didn't need to earn it somehow. This was freely given to them, to all of them. It takes some processing to think through being in a right relationship with God would allow them to receive the Spirit. They were familiar with the Spirit from the Old Testament. The Spirit had been on Samson and had given him strength. It had been on Bezalel and given him creativity. The Spirit had been on Isaiah 
and had given him words from God. The Spirit had been on Solomon, and it gave him wisdom. The Spirit had been on Moses, and had given him leadership. And now they could have this same Spirit, too? They could have the same power as those heroes of the Old Testament? There's a lot to process in this one. How does this work? People thinking details, people thinking big picture, people working it all through in their their minds as as to how this can work. When it, when it talks, the passage talks about receiving the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. The, the word receive there would have created an image of a gr- child grabbing excitedly at a, a present, at a gift, a Christmas present. It has their name on it. It's theirs. They own it. And instead of the child just kind of sitting there going, oh, Please, can I have my present? This is the child who takes it and grabs, and it's their own, and they want to open it right away. They're excited. It's not not a a passive, uh, you will receive, here you go. It's more like, no, I am taking, this is mine. I can receive this Holy Spirit, and I can pull it in. It's It's not a passive passage of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's taking what is yours. The Holy Spirit has been given. It now belongs in the life of the church, Pentecost Sunday. The apostles then went out, empowered by the Spirit, with the message of repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people took that and received that gift that day. And they now had the Holy Spirit's power in them. And so this is a birthday story. This is an anniversary. This is the start of the church. This is the birth story of the church. Happy almost 2,000-year-old birthday, church. We should have sung happy birthday as a worship song today. Sometimes I wonder if the church thinks that the Holy Spirit is too old. Getting a little tiresome, a little old. 2,000 years is a long time. This story is young and it's fresh and it's exciting. Still relevant for today? Do people still want to receive this spirit like a child grabbing at a present? For one, times have changed. Today, people aren't ritually sacrificing animals for the forgiveness of sin. That was a big change for them. All right, we don't have to sacrifice in the temple anymore? That's great. People today uh, don't think like that. People today, for the most part, don't even really think about sin. Most people think of themselves as good people, or at least good enough. Peter ended up pleading with the people to save themselves from the corrupt generation. I, too, plead with you not to believe our corrupt generation's lies as well. 
our generation is saying, you are strong, you are enough, and you can do it. Which isn't a bad message if that's all that you have in this world. Your life that you have to live, go for it. If death is the end. Um, But we believe that God has made us to be spiritual beings. To be able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. See, when Jesus said, you will receive, when when you will take what is yours, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This, this power isn't a little firecracker pop. The original word dunamis is the word we get dynamite for today. For you will receive power. Dynamite power. Paul goes on to explain how big this power is, and I think we've forgotten what the power of the Spirit is. Ephesians 1, this is the way Paul describes it. This is a prayer that I have for our church. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power of the Spirit that we can take and hold and grab onto is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's big. That's something that actually makes us not want to grab onto the gift because it's too big. We were created as spiritual beings. And we are given a spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit, in the life of the church. This is a one-time act that when we repent, and, and repenting simply means this. Jesus, I need you to help me. I was living on my own, and now I want Jesus to live with me. I was doing my own thing, and now I want Jesus to take over. Carrie Underwood was here recently. Jesus, take the wheel. I can't do this on my own. Jesus conquered death. Repenting means believing that he can defeat death in your life, too. See, we all try to defeat death on our own. Look at the beauty cream business. Look at the fitness business. Look at healthy eating. We all try to prolong our life, but every one of us will die. Jesus promises that because we are created as spiritual beings, we can have eternal life 
This is life after death. This is not just some metaphoric life. This is bodily resurrection, like Jesus. And Jesus can make us this promise because he has done it himself. And he is the only one who has been able to do this. And so, we put our trust in him. Not in our own home remedies for long life, but in the one who has conquered death and can make us that promise and can give us the gift of the Spirit. When a person repents and allows Jesus to change the course of their life, their next step is baptism. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. By going under the water outwardly, you're symbolizing cleansing and repentance and dying to your own will and desires inwardly. When you come up out of the water, you're washed clean, perfect. You are also standing there soaking wet. An image of being totally consumed, totally covered by the Holy Spirit. Baptism is public. Compared to repentance, which you can just do kind of on your own, your own bedroom, you're just in your own thoughts, you come to a place of, of confessing Christ. You can do that quietly, inwardly, on your own. Baptism is seen by others. In a couple of weeks, we're going to take down this curtain here where we have our, our baptism tank, and we're going to have a baptism service, June 23rd. Four people are going to get into the baptism tank and make a public declaration that Jesus is Lord of their life. I continually plead with people. If you have repented, your next step is baptism. Live out your faith in a public way. We believe uh, that baptism, repentance, and the receiving of the Spirit are concurrent. That they, they, they happen at the same time. However, Scripture also teaches that Christians need to grow in surrender to the Holy Spirit. And we're commanded to be continuously filled with the Spirit. Not a one-time event, but an ongoing surrender daily to the will of the Lord. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who is guiding you to live life the way that he created it to be. See, the Holy Spirit was present right in the beginning. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the creative power, presence, and wisdom of God. He knows exactly how life is made to be lived because he is the creator of life. He knows exactly how you are to use the gifts and talents that you have been given because he created you and gave you those gifts and talents to be used for the sake of others.
However, the Holy Spirit will not force you. There will be prompts. There will be nudges. But you will still have your free will. Your free will is to be used to worship God. Your free will is to continually choose to receive the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit will guide you to truth and will give you the strength you still have the choice to make the next step. In a few minutes, we're going to give you the chance to take a step of faith. It's a simple one. It's one that we've been doing for the past few weeks. And we're going to continue to do it again today. And the step is this. Simply come forward for prayer. Today, uh, as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, the people up here will have uh, oil. Anointing someone in the Bible is a sign of authority. It's a sign of power. It's a sign of the presence of the Spirit. And it's typically represented with oil. And so as a response today, we invite you to come and receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Symbolized simply by a drop of oil in your hands. You may come with a desire for something from the Spirit. A spiritual gift. Healing. Simply ask for it from the person that's standing up here. They, they may simply respond with a prayer that says, Come Holy Spirit, fill this person with your presence. Or with gifts. Or with power. If you've received the Holy Spirit, you may want to be baptized. Simply indicate that to the person. On the table over here, there's a little form. We'll get your contact number and we'll call you and, and, and set that up. We want people to take that next step of baptism. The remainder of this service is going to be a time of worship. We're not going to, we did the offering. Sometimes we do that afterwards as a response as well. But it's just going to be music, singing, worship. Stand if you want to stand. Sit if you want to sit. Raise your hands. Kneel. Pray. We're going to simply allow the Holy Spirit to move in the life of our church through worship. So I'd like to call the worship team up as well as the people who will be praying uh, this morning. Come up whenever you are ready. Uh, They'll be standing up here for the whole time. Simply hold out your hands, receive a drop of oil and a prayer. Let's pray together. God, we pray, Holy Spirit, come. We invite your presence in our lives. We want more of you. We want less of us. We worship you, Jesus. Amen.